Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors for hour number two of tonight's broadcast. We're talking tonight with Wes Thomas professional bass fisherman from Southern Indiana. And uh, Wes, we did some coverage last week in the second hour about a controversial development down at Lake Cumberland. And uh, I had Evan Nybert, President of the League of Kentucky Sportsman, and Benji Kinman, former fisheries director for the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And uh, Evan, Evan, can you hear me all right? Evan, are you there? Okay, we'll have to get back to Evan here in a few. Uh, Wes, what it's about, there's a uh, proposal to put a marina down there that's going to be almost a mile long with floating cabins. Right, right. Boathouses, and unfortunately, it's going to create a situation in Wolf Creek, which is one of the best fishing creeks in the lake where to go from the mouth of it to the back and out again because of the no wake zone, it's going to take you an hour. <laughs> right. I saw uh, something about that and uh, saw the diagram of it. Well, it's been a real hot button issue and, and a lot of the locals down there are upset because uh, it's going to create problems for parking and a lot of things. and We're not anti-development but the core engineers has got a proposal that they have put out there is proposal number three to move it further out where you won't have that type of a, a situation with uh, boat traffic and low water problems because that creek gets very very narrow during the winter drawdown so uh, we'll we'll talk to Edward Nybert. Ed are you there? I'm here. Jim. Edwin, can, you, can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. There you are. Okay. Uh, Edwin, we talked last week about that situation down in Lake Cumberland, and I know the deadline for people to comment is right around the corner. It's May the 13th. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, sir. First, may I say that uh, Mr. West, if people can't learn from you, then they can't learn, period. I, I appreciate everything I've listened to in the last hour and a half. Um, but but on to, to that current topic, um, it, I went down, my wife and I went down day before yesterday because I've never been to that Marine on the top side, at least that I can remember. Maybe in my youth I went out there drinking beer and Okay, Wes, I guess we lost uh, Evan there. He's down at Lake Cumberland. There's bad signal down there at times, so we'll get back to him here in a minute. But, Wes, you can imagine what that'd be like. I mean, 
the proposal oh, yeah. for a mile long walkway. Uh, right. In addition to these floating cabins and docks, and it's just uh, it didn't get hardly any support whatsoever at the public meetings that they had. So what we're doing is asking individuals to contact the Corps engineers and, and let them know their feelings about it. And if folks want to learn more about this, they can go to my Facebook page, which is Jim Strader Outdoors on Facebook. I have a posting there about it from last week, and they can also uh, listen to the second hour of last week's program uh, here on WHAS. And to do that, go to Spreaker. That's Spreaker with a P, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. And you can pull up last week's podcast and hear the details when Benji and uh, Evan Dabbert were we're on with me. Uh, all right, Edwin, uh, we lost you there. Can you hear me? All right. Yes, sir, I can. Um, as you know, Jim, I'm down at my at our lake house in Jamestown, uh, centered around this issue, and there's thunderstorms on the horizon. So uh, I apologize if this from my end. Uh, but as I was stating, uh, you know, my wife and I took a drive down there because I, I honestly I don't remember ever going down to Alligator One. To or what is now the Wolf Creek uh, uh, Public Access and Recreation Park from the land side. And the one thing that struck me is that there's absolutely zero question in my mind that if he does it the way that he's proposed, it will necessarily restrict that access. And, and I'm going to hammer it home with a little anecdotal story here. My wife and I pulled down, and um, there was a a lady in a kayak that was trying her best with all her might. She was only two feet from shore, but to get back up to to her her friends and family is what it turned out. And she was a disabled lady, first time ever in a kayak. And, you know, she swore that she wasn't going to do it again after she got out of it, but we yelled at her from the Jeep, look, that was perfect. You did awesome. And, and I'm worried about the restriction uh, for those people, as well as our boaters, to get into that ramp if it's done as he's written. And and, and I want to make sure that everybody understands the, the league's position, my position, is not that I don't want J.D. Hamilton to not be able to develop and make money, but wanting to make sure that he does so with the, the access the ability for us as sportsmen and women, if we don't have a boat, to be able to go there and put in. It's one of the only free places remaining. Um, and and as Benji pointed out during our show last week, you know, the writing's on the wall. The, all these marinas that used to be free launches are now $5, $10, or $150 per season, um, and, and that will be taken away. And part of my job as the president of the League of Kentucky Sports is to make sure that everybody has equal access. And and I want J.D. to be able to develop and make his money. But I think that the best option, in all fairness to everybody involved, is the option that's been put forth by the Corps of Engineers as the third option, and that is to move the the whole structure out to the mouth of Wolf Creek, still attached to his, uh, I believe it was Alligator One that's out there, um, and still have the mooring, still have the same slips. He's got 
access that's been granted by the Corps in this, um, and, and it, it just really makes sense. And, and we need the sportsmen and women of the state and the recreational boaters to realize that even if it doesn't affect you directly, eventually if something like this is allowed to go forward without the Corps' management, then it can happen in your neck of the woods. And and, and our society has always been what I remember uh, uh, Kelly my, my natural resources professor in college back in 1991, Kelly Kane. Kelly Kane was his name. He graduated from Western Kentucky University, and I met the man in River Falls, Wisconsin. But he, one of his mantras is that we lived under a NIMBY society, N-I-M-B-Y, and that's an acronym for not in my backyard. And we tend not to worry about anything unless it happens in our backyard. And... Uh, I implore all my all the listeners, all the recreational members of the league, members of every club. If it happens here one time, it can happen there, and we need to unite, get behind this, and and push the core's uh, option on this. Yeah, and again, it's option number three. Again, folks, if you want to read about this, you can go to my Facebook page, which is Jim Strager Outdoors. Uh, there's bullet points there that you can look at and the contact information for sending an email to the Corps engineers and letting them know your feelings on the subject. And uh, you could also listen to last week's broadcast, the second hour, at Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. And uh, we had a detailed discussion about this subject, so you can get your head around it. And they can also access it on the league. Uh, Facebook page, is that correct? Yes, sir. If you go to the League of Kentucky Sportsman Facebook page, uh, there is questions that you have to answer. Um, I'm trying to change that, but I'll approve anybody that comes through. And if you scroll down the post on the page, you will see uh, uh, where I posted to on behalf of the league and also shared uh, Jim's post. Uh, from his radio show, and in both of them, there are links to the second hour of last week's show where we did iron it out very well. Okay. Well, I appreciate you chiming in here, and uh, we'll be back to you. Yes, sir. And uh, if hey, I may, yeah, you had a recipe you wanted to share. Uh, recipe and two things. My my brother uh, lives on a reservoir in Lexington, and he caught seventeen bass yesterday on a wacky worm. Um. So they're 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 there and they're feeding. Um, the recipe that I was wanting to rave about was one that my dad gave me. Um, as you well know, we've been down here for a few weeks, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to fish with Rich Edlin at Striper King, and we limited out in some really big fish. And uh, my dad told me to take one of the upper loins of those stripers and slice them into medallions about the size of a sea scallop and then drop it into a uh, pot of boiling water with Old Bay Bay is what I use or whatever your your seasoning of choice is, and cook it for about 25 to 30 seconds and pull it out. And and I'm not lying to you, Jim. As Rick told you, I I was in there eating again when he called me back. It is so (laughs) delicious whenever you put it in cocktail sauce or garlic butter. It is just the texture. And the slightest taste of that shrimp, it is unbelievable. That's I'm anxious cool. That's to, cool. I'm anxious to try it with some other solid white fish, like a largemouth. 
or small. I, I do that with bluegill fillets. Uh, they're excellent that way. Just you know, cut them in strips where they'll cook thoroughly, and it's delicious. Real quick, Evan, before you go uh, fishing down at Lake Cumberland, uh, crappie's still very good. The reports I'm getting. Yes, sir. Um, I, I, our house here, where I'm sitting on the back porch right now, is on Greasy Creek. And actually, the other evening, I was sitting out here, and uh, I saw a boat lights come down, and I yelled from them from the porch, what y'all, how you doing? They said they're loading the boat with crappies, and, and, and they said they were all on second spawn. And I think I was actually on the phone with you whenever that happened, but these are the old school guys that had the Coleman lanterns tilted off with strings on the side of the John boat. Um, <laughs> and um, and they said this is the second time that they've seen uh, eggs in their catch. And then when my wife and I drove down to LCM uh, the other day at the cleaning station, there was a guy, and he had a bucket full of crappies, and he was saying that they were spawning again as well, too. Um, and you add that in with the fluctuation of water temperature, the smallmouth have just been off and on, off and off, off and on. But, you know, we're creeping back up with these last two 70-degree days. Well, I think the next couple of days well, well. Uh, will probably be really well for, for those spawning smallies uh, suspended. Uh, we did really well with them on alewives and, uh, and gizzard shad. But we did catch a couple throwing uh, some... Uh, the, the, I like to call them the original Rapala colors, just a black top with a silver side, uh, uh, six-inch uh, shad wrap off the bow of the boat as well. Okay, good. Well, I appreciate the reports. And, uh, I got to go to break here, folks. This break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Gene Snyder, Starcraft Center console and deck boats, Falcon Bass Boats and the new line of low aluminum boats. Go see them. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI. And we're back with Wes Thomas, pro bass fisherman. Wes? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. Yes, sir. Still got you, man. Very good. And we had that segment with uh, Evan. You can understand why fishermen are upset about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> problem. Uh, they need to get behind that. And uh, sounds like he's on top of things, Jim. I don't know. It's probably not his only. It's not his call. But at least I think you guys are headed in the right direction. Well, there's just been a tremendous amount of support for the course proposal. And again, we're not. Uh, anti-development, don't want to stop him from doing a development, but we feel like the Corps of Engineers plan, the plan number three, is the way to go. So, yeah. we'll see how yeah. that pans out. Wes, uh, before that, you were talking about that stupid tube and how you fish it. Uh, to get a little more into the short rolls with that, what kind of line do you like to use, and uh, what what weight for most of that type of pitching do you who you equip that with? With uh, now, I'm talking about stupid tube right now. This is going Correct. to apply to stupid tube. Uh, most generally, the jig head that I put in the tube is a three sixteenth ounce. And uh, line, I yesterday I fished with uh, uh, I fished with Sunline Sunline Sniper. I think it's one of the best lines on the market. 
and uh, yesterday I was using 16-pound test. Okay. And I got my lunch handed to me about four or five times uh, by breaking off and that kind of stuff. Uh, I switched the line overnight and went to 20 and uh, never broke off any today. Okay. Uh, that stupid tube, the, the tubes and the, and the jig heads, uh, there's a website you can go to, uh, secretlures.com, and they will sell you a, a startup kit of uh, some jig heads and some tubes. And uh, so down at Rocky Point, down at Tail City, the, the bait shop down there, Big Tails, uh, they have a supply of that stuff. Uh, most of the bait shops in Indiana stock it, and I'm not saying you won't find it in some of the Kentucky shops, but I just know it's a, it's it's spreading, but it's really big time in the uh, Indiana. Uh, okay. Sells it also. Okay. All yeah. right. Now you also mentioned you were throwing a, Senko rig. Right, wacky style Senko, yes. Uh huh. How were you? How were you equipping it? What was your color? Uh, green pumpkin for the most part. Uh, I usually throw green pumpkin or black and blue flake. There'll be some times when I vary that, but wherever I go to fish, I take those two colors and start working from that. And I I can usually come up with something that I I feel comfortable with doing. Uh, I use a Wacky hook that's weighted. It's got a little weight on the shaft of the hook. And uh, usually they have a little wire weed guard or something there to, because I like to pitch it back in some thick stuff if I can and down in uh, dock post, anything like that. But I, I, if you use just a strictly uh, hook with no guard on it, you'll, you'll, you'll hang up on all kinds of stuff. And this little weed guard that's on these hooks, it doesn't stop you a hundred percent, but once you get the the kind of the feel of it, you can kind of walk that thing through a lot of that stuff, and it'll never hang up. You can just kind of feel your way through there, and a lot of times it won't hang up. All right, what kind of line do you use? Really with? good about not hanging up. I mean, it's because your hook—you don't have a hook exposed or nothing—and you can kind of bounce it and get it through stuff extremely well. But what, I, uh, I love to fish a wacky Senko. I just get, I just get so pumped up when that line swims off slow and, <laughs> and give you give you a little time to brace up before you jack them and stuff. And I just, I love to do it myself. Weed yep. around weeds, wood, whatever. It doesn't matter. Lay down logs. It don't matter. Back what uh, what what line are you using with that? Uh, I'm using the Sunline also. Uh, most generally, for most of my fishing, I'll, I'll use a 16-pound test. Okay. Uh, that is for pitching, flipping, spinnerbaiting. It don't matter. That's that's what I'm going to throw most of the time. Right. Now, okay. Hey, Wes, we got to go to the break. Okay. I'll be back after this break. It's presented by Moss Hill Properties, Art Realty. Paul Thomas is the broker there, and they'll do a great job selling your outdoor property. And that turns out outdoor properties listed. You can check all this out at mophartrealty.com. 
And we're back with that bastard man, Wes Thomas, fresh back from Kentucky Lake to Lake Barkley. Hey, Wes, I know you were, uh, several of you guys went down there uh, in separate boats, of course, and you said they caught their fish on a variety of other baits. What was what was the hot bite for them? Uh, it varied a little bit, but there was a couple of them uh, had caught some on buzz bait. Uh, a chatter bait worked pretty good for two or three of them. They like uh, a lot of them like to throw a chatter bait, and uh, there again around the edges where they might see a few yellow flowers or I don't know what that little dead brown grass is in the edges, but stuff like that, and maybe around the dock post where they're throwing those. Uh, a few people caught some decent fish on a Ned rig. Uh, that five pounder I caught was on a shaky head, but I had a, a magnum shaky head worm on the jig head. And it's just a bigger style of the little finesse worm. It's just a, a bigger, fatter, a little bit longer one. And and uh, I caught it out on a little bit of a, a sloping point that didn't break off necessarily fast on either side, but it had chunk rock on it. And it was coming out of a little spawning bay. And that's when I, I caught that that best fish I caught, and uh, like I say, it had spawned out, and it just pulled out to that point to do what it does before it gets on with the program after the spawn. So Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, I had several friends of mine mention they had real good buzzbait bites down there this week, and again, mm -hmm. I think that revolves around all the shallow water activity that the fish are engaging in right now. What you, you As you know, I've said for many, many years, folks, it's May. If you can't catch them in May, you probably just can't right. catch them. Right, right, exactly. Uh, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to go over to, like, uh, Patoka yet or up to Lake Monroe over in Indiana. And I know uh, we were talking to the gentleman about Cumberland. Uh, it's been on fire, but Patoka and Monroe, and some of the other smaller lakes over in Indiana have really been, they've been wall bashing them over there, buddy. I mean, doing really well. And the fish are up shallow, uh, very accessible. Uh, I know a swim jig has been working well. Uh, a buzz bait and a spinner bait's been working. And uh, like you say, in May, you can catch them. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to have, Real fancy electronics and sit out there somewhere off of a break or somewhere you can just go down the bank lines and look for a specific cover and you'll catch you some fish. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, Wes, we got a caller on here. It's all right. Yes. Hello. Bruce, are you there? Hello. Yeah, Bruce. Yes, sir. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great, sir. Good enough, man. I'm thinking about going down to Green River later in the week, uh, do a little crappie fishing, uh, probably do some long line jigging. Uh, any comments on that? There's a lot of guys catching uh, crappie real shallow still, water three to five foot deep in the timber. Any of the coals that got timber in it, they've been They've been mauling down there all this week, and I think that'll hold up probably through this next 
you know, it's very unusual to have crappie spawning like that in May, but this has been an unusual year, so that'd be the suggestion I'd have for you. All righty. Yeah, the water was up about 20 feet for a long time there down uh, over summer pools. So uh, I haven't been to uh, Green this year. I've been down to Cumberland catching a few bass. But uh, at any rate, just uh, want to see what you thought about Green and uh, want to say hi to you. I went to high school with you back in Wagner back in the 60s. So uh, uh, glad to have you on this show, buddy. Hey, I appreciate it very much. Your last name? Zarth, Z-A-R-T-H. I was a couple of years behind you, I think. I oh, okay. Very good. Mr. Sir. Bowers, uh, drafting class with you there, buddy. I got you. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Take care. That, the fishing down there is really good right now. I mean, I, a bunch of guys were telling me they were living it out in a couple hours this week. Well, we'll give it a shot about Wednesday or Thursday anyway, buddy. Thank you. Very good, sir. I appreciate it. Take care. You too. Hey, uh, Wes. Yes, sir. I'm going to take a real quick break here because i got a lot of ground I want to cover with you about other baits and what you know folks need to do technique-wise here in the next couple of weeks. So I want to take a break here. It's presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Paul Thomas is the broker. He's a specialist in outdoor properties, whether it be farms or wildlife management properties, uh, lakefront uh, homes and cabins on streams and lakes around the region. And he'd be glad to list your property as well. Check them out at mophartrealty.com. And we're back with that bass man, Wes Thomas. Wes? Yes, sir. Fishing is really wide open right now, as we've been mentioning, and I look for for quite some time. We are going to have a bit of a cool down towards the end of the week, but I don't think we're enough to, you know, fish that are ready to spawn, especially since the full moon is coming. Right. This, yeah, this week. So um, let's talk about some bait selections beyond. What we've already talked about that um, I, one of my favorites is top water bite, and early and late in the day or on cloudy days, uh, you can draw fish out of some of those bushes and places if you sure. dance on top of their head, if you will, right at the edge with a, a top water. And I, I love chugging type. You need baits. a good. You need a good walking bait. Something you know, like a something that's going to walk, like a zero spook would walk or something. Right, you need to, and uh, it doesn't hurt to throw a, a pretty good size one because uh, a lot of the you might only get a uh, a limited number limited number of bites in a day with the with that type of bait right now, but most generally the ones that bite are going to be really good ones. Well, that's something I wanted to mention because I, through the years, as you know, I'm kind of a top water freak and and. Mm-hmm. I have learned that that top water action, because of the way the fish really can't see the bait very well, is an excellent strike inducer for the bigger females that are cruising the edges where the bass are, are uh, hard on the nest, where the buck bass and the males are, are right on the nest. The females will stage outside of there and suspend, and a, a bait like you're talking about is there a spook or a splash type of bait uh 
I love to throw those kind of lures at this time of year because you catch really big females that way. Right, right. Uh, when you when you're going to fish that bait, you may have to experiment a little bit of with your retrieve. Uh, let's just say, for instance, today they may want you to to work that bait pretty hard with your cadence, and and what what I mean by that is you're you're continually moving the bait, and you move it on slack line, and and you turn the reel handle right before you whip it again, and it's kind of like a it's it's kind of hard to explain, but when you watch somebody do it. It, you can catch on to it pretty quick, and you go back the next day and, and you try that again, and you don't get much luck. Slow it down and just make it do its dog walk pretty slow, and and yes. pause in between, and uh, let that ripple move away from the bait a little bit or something, and then just maybe just barely make it move. You'd be surprised. Uh, I was doing that one time. I'm just thinking out, out loud here, but I could see every once in a while my bait. There would be a boil underneath my bait. They wouldn't. They weren't coming up and hit it in the bait, but they were boiling under the bait because I, I could see the the boil and my bait would rock a little bit. <clears throat> All I did was speed it up with little bitty short twitches, and they committed to it then. But uh, you just have to experiment. Every day is different with that kind of stuff. And, and uh, a pawpaw will work really good uh, of drawing fish out of bushes or up from uh, – and we're talking about shallow water, that big walking dog. If the water's halfway clear, you know, you can do that over fairly deep water and get them to, c- to commit to it and, and, and bite it. I mean, they'll, they'll come up and get it. Absolutely. Uh, favorite lures is a chug bug because you can walk it like a – is there a spook, and yet it's got the the action and flash uh, that that really tends to trigger a lot of strikes. And another technique I like a lot, and it's especially true around isolated cover, uh, is just the old standard floating Rapala or AC shiners. Sure, and yeah. I, and I yeah. love to throw them to that cover and just barely twitch it, almost like you're shaking that bait, and let it right. Sit. And buddy, if he's there, he he generally speaking, he's gonna nail that. I mean, <laughs> I, I call Thor the, uh, Mickey, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it don't was, forget, you know, the hollow body frog now too. The whether it be the popping style or the walking style, uh, I almost broke one out down there today in some of that that buck brush and stuff, and sling it back in them places and, and walk it out of there. Uh, the, the frog is prime time for the frog just right here. Yes. Yeah, and that's another bait that just it seems so natural that right. I don't think those right. fish see a lot of that kind of presentation. And because of that, they're pretty right. pretty aggressive with it when that bites on, for and, sure. And a lot of people think if you're going to frog fish, you got to do it over grass mats or heavy grass. And that's that's not right. You can do it around docks. You can do it around brush. Whatever uh, the frog will still work. It doesn't have to be grass. Absolutely. When you throw a frog, uh, what what size line do you like? I usually use about sixty pound test braid. <laughs> yeah. Because where I'm going to throw it, I want to get it back, and 
and uh, I do get a big fish on that thing. I can horse him out of about anything, you know. So I usually throw a frog or a, and a uh, uh, it'll come to me here in a minute. Man, terrible to get old, Jim, and you forget stuff. <laughs> well, it, it'll come to you here in a minute. But I, I throw so, it on braid, you know, and there again, some, sometimes I'm throwing a popping frog to where the front of it's shoveled up and I can pop it. And, or the other times I want the front of it to be more of a, come to a, a point and I want to, to actually walk the frog a little bit without. Right. Making, uh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's coming time. Those bluegills are going to start coming in to nest and stuff like that. And usually, usually what I do is I throw something with a – if the bluegills are out there, I like to throw a frog that's got a yellow belly on it, maybe just a little hint of orange or a little red with it. And if I'm fishing and I think it, I think the shad are in the spawn or anything like that, I throw one with a white bottom on it. Okay. Just, I don't know if that's, you know uh, – a half two case, but that's just the way I approach it, you know. Exactly. Well, one of the yeah. things I do want to pass along to folks too in this regard, you're talking about the bluegill. You will seldom see a bluegill bed that doesn't have one or several very nice bass patrolling right. the edges, picking off the small bluegill and or shad that are in there trying to eat the eggs. Right, right. I looked all over down there at uh, Barclay and stuff, I kept looking for bluegills around the docks or back in some of the cuts, and I wasn't seeing any bluegill at all. I mean, none. And I went back in a little shallow cut and got back in the back of it, and there must have been 500 bluegill back in there from two inches long to three or four inches long. I don't know what they were all doing in that one cove, but I got to looking, and there was three or four bass in there about 12, 13, 14 inches long swimming around, and I know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, There's no doubt why they were in there, but that was the only place I saw any bluegill at all was in that one little pocket, and there was bass in there with them, but I didn't see any big ones with them, but I just saw small ones. Right, right. Well, I just, anytime I see a bluegill bed, I always try to throw a top water because if they're, they're watching. Right. That's where that right. top water shuddering technique I was talking about with a, mm-hmm. a twitch type of bait, man, it's dead. Of course, a fluke's really good in that situation as well. That's one we hadn't talked about. And I love to throw a fluke. I love to be able to, you know, it's got the same kind of erratic action as a, as a walking bait on top, but it's a lot right. of times that right. it, take it a little more readily than an actual top water lure. And I, I like to throw that on braid myself because I can set the hook easier. Um, right, right. There, you know, you'd be you know, uh, in spinning rods anymore. I mean, you can put ten or fifteen pound test braid on that thing, and then put a fluorocarbon leader on the end of it for a little ways, and you can throw that thing a half a mile, and you almost never get any kind of a loop or anything in your line where you're having to fool with that on a spinning rod and. And it gives you an opportunity to set the hook really good and pull some fish out of places you might not do it if you were fishing with 
eight or ten pound test mono or something. It's, it's exactly. been a big help. Yes, it has. Right. I rely upon it a lot with flukes, especially. It just seems to really do well for me. Well, right. Wes, we got right. about uh, three minutes here. Thoughts on other baits, or you mentioned? Uh, Can I uh, tell you something that we're doing over in Indiana, Jim? That I'd like to let the people know. Sure. Uh, what we're doing, I've been on the board of directors for the Indiana Bass Federation since back in the 80s. And our state does not really have a strong bass stocking program. And uh, this will be our third year that the Federation has took it upon ourselves. We've raised money and stuff. And the first year, we put 8 to 10 inch bass in raccoon reservoirs. Last year, we put them in Monroe Reservoir. And the way we did that at Monroe, we did it when there was going to be a tournament there, and we gave anglers plastic bags full of bass with air in the bag, and they dispersed them to wherever they went their first fishing stop. All right, how do people so, so get information the, about that real quick? Uh, you can go to the Indiana Bass Federation and pull it up. We have a GoFundMe account in there and stuff, and we're getting ready to do Monroe. I mean, we did Monroe last year. We're going to do Patoka here in about the next month. So uh, we're raising money to do that and uh, trying to keep the fisheries up. And, and like I say, we're putting big, bigger fish in there so the survival rate will be high. I see. Well, Wes, I really enjoyed visiting with you tonight. Appreciate it as usual. Folks, we'll be back here, same place, same time. God bless everybody. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.